Right, and this is now the science of fiction. We're going to leap straight into our first track, just to give us time to get into the studio. Uh, but yes, keep listening, and we'll be talking all about dystopias and future utopias, and just generally babbling about it, not taking it all too seriously. So, hope you enjoy this track. FM.co.uk On air and online, your CalmFM. Hi and welcome back. That was a song. That was um, In Ruins by Falchan. Which is brilliant because I did not have any idea what I just put on CD player. So we're going to be talking about urban dysto- future dystopias and future utopias. And today we've got along with us Steve Hyde. Hello. And uh, he's been dragged along because he once read an email about all the future horrors that would happen in 1997. 
That's that's true. I just came here for a birthday party and uh, I've been kidnapped. Yeah, so um, happy birthday to my wife who's sitting at home, maybe or maybe not listening to the show. We don't know. It, radio has strange things that it could be on in the background. Um, so where should we start? Let's start with all that, why we played that song. That song is about a it's it's about a city in in ruins, hence the title of the song, in ruins. Um, and you know, there's you know, there's uh, look around the streets tonight, everything's in ruins. Um, and take a walk in the ash and the acid rain. It's just you know, it's it's a love story set after some kind of horrific apocalypse. It's not really clear what the apocalypse is, but um, uh, you know, dancing and hope after destruction, after zombies or terminators. Weaponry, I think, more likely. Weaponry, but like, it's, it's, it's the kind of thing which, which some kind of ter- Terminator-style disaster might lead to, right? You, you, you get to the, the wasteland of a city, and you know, maybe some you know, huge, huge robots trampling on things, um, chemicals. Maybe. I mean, the interesting thing about robot dystopias, so as a future, you know, they are quite common. It isn't just Terminator. Of course, it's quite a lot. It's down to the concept of a singularity, uh, which are many. But the idea that computers will suddenly. Um, take to the point they replicate themselves and then become benevolent. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it's, 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 it's hard to see why computers would want to keep us around. I mean, people aren't very good in a lot of ways. Oh, I, I mean, I, I mean we're, we're great in almost every way, but, you know, um, it, it's you could conceive of a world where, you know, these sort of AIs will you know, start sneering at us and think, wait, why, why, why are they here? Why can't they just be our batteries or something? Well, I, I don't see why we make good batteries, but that, of course, is the Matrix idea that the computers decided to make us into batteries, which is really inefficient. Because presumably this, is, presumably this is the same reason why feeding humanity on animals is uh, inefficient, because you have to feed the animals on the vegetables, and you could just feed the humans on the vegetables. But, I mean, I still think computers like to keep us around, depending on the, how we build them. You know, I have guinea pigs in my back garden. I don't eat them. You, you, you could do come, come the apocalypse when the food supply chain breaks down. It is really odd. If I cook any burgers on the barbecue, they don't mind, unless they're Tesco Value burgers and they squeak. Hmm. I wonder what they put in them. Exactly. Is it, you know, ferns or, you know, t- 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 tasty grains? I don't know. Yeah, well, Steve was telling us that apparently um, the, the end of the world in 1997, that was Terminator's Judgment Day. It was. I think it was 27th of August or sometime around then. Mm-hmm. Um... Terminator 2 being made in 1991 um, obviously 1997 was then a distant future where anything could happen and uh, there's quite a few other films which have followed a similar sort of theme I think uh, I can't remember what else it was but um, predicting the future startlingly soon oh, predict- sorry predicting the, you know, the end of life as we know it surprisingly soon yeah uh, Escape from New York was set in 1997 as well I believe and the uh, Demolition Man had a terrifying vision of the distant future of 1995 <laughs> uh, of course there was Space 1999 which at least was made a lot earlier than the previous ones we mentioned so What's the deal with Demolition Man and Escape from New York and what happens in those? Uh, Demolition Man, um, in a way, it's kind of a utopia. They've eradicated all forms of crime uh, while at the same time eradicating sex and swearing and uh, graffiti and everything, basically. Uh, But they've done that by basically freezing all prisoners cryogenically and issuing petty fines for even the slightest breaking of the law. Um, And then as soon as Wesley Snipes uh, breaks out of a 
prison and starts wreaking havoc, nobody knows how to deal with it. Because they haven't dealt with crime for so long that it's, just, it's become a non-issue. Exactly. Their, uh, their way of dealing with crime is, uh, you know, adopting a stern tone of voice. And then, uh, if that fails, adopting a slightly more stern tone of voice and uh, adding the phrase, or else, to the end of every sentence. And the or else turns out to be, take some money from Wesley Slopes? Um, no. He I mean, doesn't strike me as the kind of man who would pay a fine willingly when he's, you know, been caught in some kind of... No, he, he uh, ended up killing a lot of people horribly uh, in response to that. Ah, well... Um, of course, the answer was uh, break Sylvester Stallone out of jail and uh, let him deal with it. Uh, ah, so they, they, they realised that the only way they could um, crush this pr- this prison uprising was to um, go against their own, you know, morals and you know, re- release one of the very people who they'd locked away. Well, he, they locked him away because he was a cop who had um, actually previously been chasing the character played by Wesley Snipes and been accused of killing lots of hostages by being too brazen. And um, in fact, he hadn't at all Wesley Snipes to just kill them. Oh, well. J- probably just so they both go down. Well, you know, I mean, that's that's one way to function as a as a you know, sociopath, I guess. But it's the only movie I know which um, sliced alone knits in. I, I can't immediately think of any others off the top of my head. Does, does, does he make hats? Does he make um, t- toy elephants? I think he makes a scarf. It's nothing particularly exciting. Yeah, it's part of his uh, criminal rehabilitation. They uh, make him knit. Oh, uh, like kind of pla- implant subliminal messages into his frozen mind, suggesting that he should knit. And so suddenly he becomes a, cro- a cro- crochet master. I mean, this is where it gets slightly less utopia-esque, is the fact that they're actually rewriting criminals' minds, which is called brainwashing, I think. I mean, there's, there's, there's an argument that that's not a, a million miles from rehabilitation programs. I guess the, the, the difference is that when if, if people are convincing themselves to change their ways as opposed to being convinced by chemicals or, or technical magic or something. I mean, I personally feel the diff- main difference between that and rehabilitation programs is rehabilitation programs don't work. Citation uh, you, you do realise that uh, this was a film. It's not. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. not a guarantee that uh, implanting subliminal messages will actually work. I mean, I think we could. Yeah. Uh, broadly speaking, I suppose I should qualify anything I say for the next hour with. Uh, I don't think any of this is true. <laughs> you don't. I thought we were looking at factual documentaries. No wait, That's Galaxy Quest. That's a whole different movie. Um, yeah, but, I mean, the idea of controlling people by those sort of concepts, of course, uh, leads into Equilibrium, which isn't exactly the best movie around. It, it sort of it does the job. It has some very funky martial arts for dodging bullets. Yeah, and like so, the, the, the premise there was really roughly well, was similar. That um, they, they decided that to eradicate all the ne- you know, negative things people do due to their emotions, they had to just suppress everyone's emotions, and so everyone took pills and lived a very routine life. Um, and then one day, someone broke the rules and forgot his pill, and everything. You know, suddenly things fall apart. Well, to be fair, a lot of people before him broke rules, stopped doing their pills, and shot themselves. Hmm. Come to Sean Bean. Okay. Well, there's a lesson there. He was reading poetry. Made him cry a bit. Mm. I I don't buy it. I don't think that this character was really the first person to break out of this. I mean, you look at um, Prohibition in in the US. All that led to was a load of underground speakeasies. I think there were probably a load of underground clubs where people just go to cry Mm -hmm. uh, away from the prying eyes of the authorities. Yeah, where people can have nice hugs. Free hugs. Yeah, maybe free hugs are in fact the start of a rebellion against a um, a movement to to, qu- to cr- crush our emotions and you know, re- render us into um, dull automata. May have been one of the deleted scenes of that movie. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the um, free hug scene. Well, with that, we'll um, stop the link going too far overboard, and we'll quickly move into our next track. 
mfm.co.uk on air 97.2 and across Cambridge your Cam FM okay that was This Place is a Prison by the Postal Service uh, if you're listening to the show do remember you can send us in messages through the web form or by emailing us at studio at camfm.co.uk uh, we'd love to have your comments it's always great fun uh, we will try to remember you out this week I forgot to last week 
Yes, apologies to anyone who writes in and we don't, we don't say anything. You should write in more and then we can, you know, see the, the screen covered in messages. It's great fun for us. Um, it means we don't have to try and work out what we're going to say next. Speaking of what we're going to say next, so that was so that was a song about... It's not really that clear what it's about. It's, it, it's um, someone lamenting... Some kind of, I think it's 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 a kind of a, a figurative prison, and you know, figurative of people who aren't their friends, or you know, real people who but they don't really think they get on with that well. Do you ever know what your music choices are about? Um, some of the, some of them are more obvious than others. Like the previous, like the previous song. Yeah, although I know about the postal services, their lead singer always sounds very depressed for a man who's engaged to Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> You think he'd be a bit more cheerful about that whole thing? Is I that, didn't know that. Is that yes, the yeah. Zoe he spells the name Zooey? That's the one. Yes. Ah, uh, yeah, he should be happier. Well, like, presume, presumably this was this album was recorded a long time ago, so maybe he was not engaged to her at the time. Quite possible. And maybe Death Cab for Cutie will um, suddenly become really upbeat. And you know, I can't see that happening somehow. I mean, their, their, their entire. <laughs> Death Cab's entire style seems to be built on you know, apparently having kind of vaguely upbeat music and somehow managing to make it quite gloomy. I mean, yeah, they, they named their band after a uh, Leonard Cohen song, so that kind of gives you an idea of uh, how gloomy it should be most of the time. Yeah, it's going to lo- lo- lower the mood from the, uh, the, the naming of the album cover. Mm. So, prisons in life. So, the first thing that we were sort of talking about when the track was playing was The Matrix, which is this... Do I need to explain what Matrix is about? It's about people stuck in a computer world, which we alluded to earlier, because apparently the the AIs which have taken over want us to be batteries. Yeah, but the I mean, I guess the the neat thing about the Matrix from these people people's point of view is that the people who are in the Matrix, powering their thing, don't actually know that they're in prison. Um, which made us think of a, another slightly less obvious example of this, namely the Truman Show, where he's ba- he's basically imprisoned. I mean, okay, it's not you know he's not. Uh, being enslaved, or well, maybe he's being enslaved. He is. He's been used for entertainment. It, it's it's no, to me, it's no morally bless, better than the concept of a gladiator. Apart from a gladiator gets eviscerated a bit more often. Hmm. Which anyone, any, any Cambridge local should be aware that there's a uh, wrestling match in St Neots next week. Um, <laughs> I know you just segue right in there. <laughs> You were just obsessed with his wrestling match. I just couldn't believe it. Apparently, there's fa- it's family friendly, fr- friendly as well. I mean, I don't, I don't know what family friendly wrestling looks like, but whatever. Apparently, things are different in some years. They just say, "I'm going to win, or else." Yeah, and wear, maybe wear more clothes. Who knows? Anyway, let's 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 drift back towards uh, the Truman Show. Yeah. So I mean, I'm not. Yeah, I'm I'm in two minds as to whether that counts as you know. It's, 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 you know, it's dystopian for him, but uh, it's not really you know the whole. I mean, I guess there's maybe. A world where it's thought acceptable to do that might be considered so, you know, a world that's gone wrong somewhere along the way. I think that's another example of um, a film being made uh, a while ago, and it had this idea that you know this terrible future where reality TV has dominated everybody's lives, mm. and you know is that really that different from where we are now? Um, it was made around you know only a couple of series of Big Brother had been made by that point, I think. And yeah, and there was also at the same time the movie Ed TV, which I don't think did as well, but was more realistic in the sense that the guy sold his life, if I remember correctly, to a TV company and then he couldn't get out the contract and they just kept persevering and kept going after him to get him on TV and it was the same idea that really is it morally right to abuse these people like this Um, and it's something I think comes up a lot in the newspapers so it's not something we particularly can add to but it is an interesting question why do we enjoy so much looking at other people being voyeurs basically it's, and it's funny because there's you know uh, people have said you know, a bunch of times that uh, Britain in particular has sleepwalked into being a surveillance state and it's, it's interesting that you know, some, like, there's, there, there are objections to excessive surveillance and yet people love watching people it's 
everyone goes crazy for it. But isn't that why we don't like surveillance? Is the fact the very fact that we do like watching people? And so we know that somewhere, someone in a control room might be looking at us and thinking, "Oh wow, look at them! Are they, are they walking in the wrong direction?" Oh. Well, the, sorry, carry on. I was going to say the number of times I do like walk halfway to where I'm going and realise I've forgotten to do the important thing, walk back again, and just sort of hope that nobody notices me, look like a complete idiot. <laughs> Well, people complain about privacy being invaded and but are more than happy to share every minute detail of their life via social networks. So uh, I'm one of those people. And I, I actually, yeah, I, th- I think it is different because it's voluntary. Um, and in principle, I can delete that data whenever I like. I mean, I'm aware that maybe someone's copied it if they want them, if, they, if they want to, fine. But it is possible to remove yourself from the internet if you try hard enough. But it's not possible to remove yourself from cameras that other people control. Unless you wear a hoodie, perhaps. I, I mean, I mean, I, I, could, I could try that. I could just try wearing a balaclava at all times and see, see how long I survive on the streets without being arrested. Well, that could be an experiment. Will you get arrested by next week's show if you don't take a balaclava off from the moment you leave the studio? So this is this is Cam FM's uh, forays into uh, reality TV or to into, into uh... investigative journalism. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, do I have to actually try to hold hold up um, gas stations, or do I just, you know... No, no, just see if people get suspicious around you. Go about your usual life, but in a balaclava. That mostly consists of sitting in an office looking at a screen. I mean, people might look at me strangely. Yeah, but I think you could easily make the other people in your office fairly nervous, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why has this person just turned up to work and we don't recognise him? Or would you have to get your ID card changed to have a balaclava? No, you could probably just draw one in biro <laughs> on the ID card, I think. The magic of Sharpies. Was that a brand name? Yeah, they're 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 really good. They're really good markers. We're not BBC uh, anyway. Other markers matter. are available. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure we had another movie to go on to after this. Uh, we got sidetracked there. Yeah, we barely touched on the Matrix at all. Well, I know an awful lot about Matrix due to having written a pantomime on it, uh, which is a whole different story. But it is. I still think ignoring. The sequels, there weren't any. It is a really, really good story. It really makes you think, well, how do you know if we are in reality or not? And I actually think most people accept it's... You just don't know. You just kind of have to get over it and accept it. Mm. I think it's... um, One one, one thing that's nice about uh, The Matrix is... is, Well, one thing that it reminds people of is that the name The Matrix wasn't new. Uh, It came from uh, William Gibson's novel Neuromancer, um, which was, you know, it's, it's a novel about, you know, sometime, sometime in the future there are AIs and people have, there's like virtual reality. The difference is people are in it voluntarily as opposed to being in um, this, this, this world uh, uh, forcibly un- unawares. But bro- broadly speaking, it's the same kind of idea. Um, and that's a, that's a dystopian future where, you know, uh, people are spreading, you know, smart viruses that, you know, make, make people and make it impossible for people to use this technology and so on. Um, I was reading an interview by William Gibson recently where he, he seems to have had a lot of his early novels published by accident, uh, he would he, he would send drafts to people who insisted, you know, oh, send us a draft, send us a draft. You know, we'll, 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 like, I'm sure it's better than you're making it out. You know, and, oh, we'll, we'll send you some suggestions. And actually, what they would do is they take his manuscripts and then just submit them to, to uh, journals and and periodicals and publishers on his behalf. So he's so he's only a you know multi-million selling author because people tricked him. <laughs> That's such a thrill pleasure. It was just reminding me, because when The Matrix came out, one thing it was closely linked to was the anime movie and then subsequent TV series, though it didn't exist at the time, of Ghost in the Shell, because there's a very aesthetic similarity, though despite what people claim, there isn't that big a plot similarity. And of course, that isn't a dystopia or a utopia, that is just a near future where we've got to the point of direct internet brain interfaces and all the risks that pr- 
uh, uh, causes. I mean, the first movie, the first Ghost in the Shell movie, is about the puppet master who is using people as puppets by hacking into their brains. But it's quite interesting. That is an example of where I wouldn't say it's a utopia or dystopia because it is a cr- movie about crime in the future. Right. So, 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 it's, so it's just taking it's taking a, a standard story, but setting it in this slightly f- fantastical world. Yeah, with this idea that you can connect your brain up to a computer, which again we've mentioned before because you just don't believe it's going to happen. Yeah, although there's a uh, TV show titled Brave New World, um, I presume after the novel, um, apparently hosted by Stephen Hawking, which is airing tomorrow, an episode's airing tomorrow, and I was reading the summary of it, and it talked about some interesting things, including uh, robot babies that learn like children, supposedly, um, which hopefully Im- involves them running around the room flinging food on the floor. Um, but also, apparently, there, there, there was talk of someone... Um, melding his brain with a computer and I'm, I suspect that probably means there's you know he's got some electrodes and he's, he's controlling a mouse pointer using thought, the power of thought which is not quite the same thing but you know maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong maybe, maybe they really have you know it's going to be the, the launch of some kind of incredible new human computer interface well, you, you have just reminded me that the University of Colchester just reported a new scientist and I have to say I've had to go and google this and the only web, the first website I got was the Daily Mail so uh, pinch of salt for all of so us. go and read the new scientist article but uh, uh, it's a great headline here. Computer mouse? No, a computer rat. Daily Mail headline writers. Sure. Um, so yeah, it's a chip restores brain function in rodents and could save humans. And the thing was, they took a rat and destroyed its ability to learn, make new memories. And then they um, put a chip in the brain to make the memories again. And what they did was send them through mazes. And the rats with the chip could learn the maze, but the rats without the chip couldn't. So, oh. are they saying this could save humans from something specific, or just it could save humans? Could save humans from stupid rats. Okay. Rats who don't know the way from mazes will be the end of us. Well, yeah, presum- presumably Alzheimer's and similar similar like brain aging disorders are the target for this kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're saying, is it will help dementia uh, and people with strokes with damaged brain function so they can rebuild it. I mean, I... I do find it rather far-fetched, and of course, like I say, I've got the Daily Mail in front of me, but it, it, these things often come out far before they're ready, but it is interesting that we are starting to get computer chips and the brain to work together. I'd hate to think what the rejection's like, though. Yeah, I think I'll, 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 let, I'll let some other people trial, trial this first. Can you let someone else do the beta test? Yep. Okay, well, um, I've got another track lined up. Oh, it's... CD1, thank you. Uh, not CD2. We've got two CD decks here. You think it's easy? One or two? I always get it wrong. <laughs>
online and across Cambridge. Your station, your Cam FM. Okay, that was Music is Happiness by The Octopus Project, which I, I just love the band for the name. Yeah, they're, they're, they're a really good band. Um, but the name's awesome. That too. Yeah, the, 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 the name is awesome, and the artwork on the albums is awesome. And they, they, they're live, they use a theremin, and it's not, like, it's not a gimmick as far as... And it's not the theme tune to Star Trek. Um, no, I don't they, they, they may, Maybe they have a live version of that. I've never heard it. Have you ever heard the theremin rendition of uh, the Simpsons theme tune versus the Star Trek theme tune? Is this uh, like two theremins uh, having a kind of... No, one guy sort of mixing the two together. Do they... I'll have to th- I'll have to do some listening to that later. Anyway, yes, but yeah. So this this obviously linked into something that wasn't to do with the Octopus Project. Well, it was it was a whole kind of music as happiness thing. There's the it's a kind of theme of of well we, we mentioned equilibrium already and novels like 1984 and so on where. The, one of the overriding themes is that people are, are being told that a particular thing is what it means to be happy and contented as, as a human being, uh, rather than following their instincts. Um, I mean, I think actually, instinctively, music is music is a pretty good, pretty good uh, analog to happiness. At least if you listen to the right, to the right music, maybe not uh, to Death Cab for Cutie. <laughs> but yeah, no. The so um, I, I mentioned a few weeks ago ha- having got, got a copy of um, We by Evgeny Zamiatin in the Post, and it's. I, it turns out that apparently Brave New Worlds, which none of, none of us apparently have read, is uh, based on, in part, on uh, Wii. And then in turn, uh, 1984 is said to be inspired by both Wii and uh, Brave New World. Um, but the interesting contrast between uh, 1984 and Wii, which was written 30 years before it, um, for me, was that the, the, kind of the, the, the principles were the same. You had, you know, a... Of surveillance society of some form, everyone's actions are proscribed. Um, then there's an underground movement who want to bring humanity back to humanity and you know understand things. But the um, technology they use to do so is very different. The um, in in we, it's all about you know all the walls are made of glass, everyone can see everything, and it relies on humans to inform each other. And there's you know I think there may be a tannoy, but there's nothing more elaborate than that. But whereas in 1984, it's all about um, technological surveillance. So uh, people. Don't people? Or people do expect their peers to snitch on them, but equally they expect to they, they expect to be that they're being watched at some sometimes in their life. So um, even if they're in a closed room, there's probably a telescreen which is watching them back. Yeah, that, I mean, I think we should just go on to the more how, how you received your copy of We in the Post because I don't think we had time to do it two episodes ago. It seems it's a strange thing that people send people copies of this with, uh, just anonymously. Uh, actually, uh, this is a little bit embarrassing because I discovered it's actually nothing like as creepy as I thought it was. Oh, you found out who sent it to you? Yeah, um, I was I was reading through my sent email a while ago and I came across someone on a blog I read occasionally um, had said, hey, does anyone want some books? I'm getting rid of some books. If you send me my, your name and address, I'll post you a random book from a bookshelf. And I apparently sent this guy my name and address. So that's why I got the copy of We. It, is, oh. it isn't some kind of un- un- undercover thing of people sending that one book. So it doesn't explain why Suman got, got the same book in similar situations. Maybe maybe she seven years ago also accidentally told someone to send her a book. But yeah, so... Whereas I just got some strange poetry the other week. Poetry of what? Was it kind of, you know, sketchily written, pieced together from no, cuttings of newspapers? I know, it's, it's from the author. Uh, it's a published hardback book and it's uh, all about a, a we? A-I-U? Uh, Spiritual stuff. Okay. Don't really get it to be honest, but it's it's curious. Uh, the book's called something really weird as well to do with cats. That's that's like a good start for any kind of poetry work, poetry book. Are you a poetry reader? No. Are you a poetry reader? Uh, I'm not. No. 
Yeah, I, d- I tried to read a poet in New York, and... You shouldn't actually read the poet, you know that. Hmm? Well, if you read a poet, that's kind of invading privacy, you know. I mean, you like, read their works, not actually them. I suppose it could be performance art. Someone could tattoo their poems all over their body, and then basically kind of stand in a bookshop or a library or something. Yeah, I mean, Or you could be some kind of psychic, and that yeah. kind of reading. You know, but then you need a room with a window open at the back. And some bloke talking to you through a microphone. Yeah, exactly. Is that something, something that's unrepresented <laughs> the room we're sitting in now? No, no, no. There was a recent psychic who left the window open to the person who was whispering information to their ear. So that people sat at the back of the auditorium could hear uh, some somebody with a microphone saying, Ask her about a relative called Mary. <laughs> because uh, apparently the way they do it is um, they just have random people mingling with the audience uh, before the show starts and uh, uh, as- asking about, uh, so is there anything you're hoping she's going to say tonight or something like that? Oh, and then yeah. they feed that information to the psychic for a hidden earpiece allegedly I mean uh, (laughs) this is a ongoing fraud trial I believe um, the other way is to use prayer boxes Uh, get people to do a prayer box at the beginning and then someone goes through it uh, this is really cool. If you, um, guy called uh, James Randi well known for skepticism type movements he uh, actually sort of got um, things to get the radio messages and recorded them and did live shows debunking a few of these people but actually in the long run it has made no effect for people still believed in well, James, James Randi is the same guy who has a, a prize of you know a million dollars or something for anyone who can demonstrate that, that, is it homeopathy working no no it is any any anything science basically so anything which he has which he has said is not is not true he, yeah. anyone who can debunk him can get a million dollars pretty much so homeopathy is there but normally it's about psychics uh, Mexicans who claim they can learn the dark was one example okay he hadn't had his breakfast he argued glowing in the dark that is it, it, really strange some people come forward because they're desperate for money you were mentioning earlier some kind of cunning special effects involving gl- glow in the dark. Uh, yeah, that that was uh, Escape from New York again. It's uh, one of these um, one of these special effects. They created a kind of wireframe version of New York so that uh, Snake Plissken could figure out where he needed to go to rescue whoever he was going to rescue. And uh, this film was made ages ago. It probably would have been prohibitively expensive to actually do that using CGI. So instead, they built a model out of cardboard and put a load of uh, kind of glow-in-the-dark masking tape all over it mm-hmm. in, a, in a wireframe pattern, and then just filmed that uh, under UV lights. So this kind of green wireframe thing is actually just a bunch of cardboard boxes with tape all over them. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's a really good effect um, when you actually see it in the film. And it's it's quite. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's. I mean, I guess it was probably made at a time when drawing wireframes on a computer was a thing which had been done but it was yeah. expensive as opposed to it being incredibly prophetic to realise that's how things would go yeah, it but, was but, but even now people show people do use, still use that device in hacker films right it's like you know, yeah, definitely. hey flying through this virtual reality world someone just sent in a great email it's for just say we're talking about people going dark cats that glow in the dark to help fight AIDS now this was quite a recent news story and it's absolutely hilarious um, so they researched an immunisation strategy to fight AIDS and um, it also led to them making glow in the dark cats I see do, do, do you have to you know, keep the cat around your person to fight AIDS or is it, is it the, the treatment that happens to make the cat glow uh, it's because the researchers used uh, gene which is taken from jellyfish and it's used all the time to track where they can get another gene where they can get into the body and this gene makes the jellyfish fluoresce uh, and it's called green fluorescent protein when expressed and then they tried to use it to track whether the gene that known to resist the development of feline AIDS virus where it was in the body 
Um, oh, and, so, and so it was successful, and as a result, the entire cat was glow-in-the-dark. Yep, there's a picture on the website we've just been sent with the glow-in-the-dark cat. Um, it's really quite interesting, uh, but it's a bit more complicated to actually get to work. But uh, the main thing is that this understanding of how these genes work uh, could then help us understand this their feline aids, human aids. Interesting. Or at the very least, he could help combat the spread of it by making people who are HIV positive glow in the dark. <laughs> I think I think some, some human rights laws might have something to say about well, that. I mean, that's exactly the sort of thing we're talking about, isn't it? The right. suppression of rights and freedoms. Uh, you know, a, a lot of these films are based on the fact that somebody thought they were doing it for the greater good. Right, um, right. Really, really interesting and contentious issue, and I certainly don't have an answer to it, is um, circumcision in men massively drops the chance of you being able to get AIDS, as in orders of magnitude so if you just don't take the ethical line on it of worrying about what you're actually doing to the kids you're circumcising you can it would cause a massive reduction aids in the third world if you went around and just started circumcising more uh but of course people don't like you cutting bits of them off yeah i mean i guess this is a question of you know ethics in the small versus ethics in the large and um yeah i mean something that medics who aren't worrying about large-scale ethics say we should just do this sorry, because, sorry small-scale ethics just because again we should do this because it will help the world at large and then there's a lot of um, groups who are against what they call mutilation and of course this doesn't affect just men they're also worried about female genital mutilation and um, they're very anti and it is quite a big problem because it could have such a big effect on reducing AIDS but then AIDS is really odd really odd anyway because the only time you're really infectious is very early on in the infection period and then it sort of drops down. Um, so you have this early bit where you're likely to transfer it to other people. Which is exactly when you probably don't know you're positive. Exactly. But it also means that everyone stopped having sex in the world for about, I think they say something stupid, like one year. It would nearly disappear. Huh. But that's but, never going to happen. But, but as, all, as all of these films about you know, suppressing people's emotions and uh, sex drives and so on show, well, they appear to be depicting something which people expect people to do. Like, it's not immediately obvious that suppressing everyone's emotions it ought to be bad. But um, given that all these films assume that, it suggests that probably people would be better unhappy about it. Yeah, I, I think if we stop people having sex, there would be problems. It's possible. Yeah, well, with that um, slight tangent, we're going on to next track. And, um, yeah, I have no idea what this is, actually.
online and across Cambridge. Your station, your Cam FM. Okay, welcome back to the Science of Fiction. And that song was? That was Metropolis by Faded Paper Figures. Brilliant. Now, if you um, were listening to us just before that track, you'll know that we got an email in, and we do love your emails, so make sure you drop them in at studio at camfm.co.uk, or you um, could just type in a little box thing on the online player, and it would just shoot straight through to us. It's brilliant. Um, so, Metropolis, I know exactly why you picked that one. Well, actually, you, there, there are two reasons. One, oh. of the, one of them is that um, in uh, Zemyatin's Wii, the way they achieve the surveillance is that all the walls are made of glass, and this song talks about a glass metropolis, which describes exactly the world that uh, Zemyatin was talking about. But there's a much more obvious reason for picking a song called the, Metropolis. The reason I thought, which is, of course, the movie Metropolis. I was thinking uh, where Superman lives myself, but uh, yeah, yeah, we'll go with your one. <laughs> was did Superman live in a dystopia or a utopia? I can't remember. Or was it just basically New York? It was basically New York. Yeah. This, yeah. this seems to be a common, common comic thing of, you know, Inventor City, which is mysteriously similar to New York. Hmm. I mean, like, I mean, like, New York's obviously a great, great skyline. And so, so where's Gotham City? That's probably I think, New York. I think that's New York, York as well. Yeah. But they are both in the same universe as well. Mm. There's a place in Nottinghamshire called Gotham, which is spelt as Gotham. Uh, nothing like Gotham City, really. Presumably p- people in superhero costumes go and uh, hang out there. Uh, I think it's more that people who drive past road signs pointing to it go, <laughs> Is yeah. it similar to there being a town in Oxfordshire, which is spelt Towcester, but pronounced Toaster, <laughs> Toaster, as they drive past? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and there's also, oh no, we're not allowed to say that street name on air. Okay. But the, but the, uh, it starts grope. Did any of you see um, the story about a uh, a vigilante in North America somewhere who was dressing up as a superhero and then macing people? Yes. It sounds very similar to Fathers for Justice. Uh, do f- I don't think Fathers for Justice have actually maced anybody. Oh, yeah, no, they just I'm kind not. of climb on things at the moment. Yeah, dress as Spider Man and then climb things as opposed to dress, dress as Superman. And there's apparently loads of them across the US, like people who go out with pepper spray or whatever. There's also the other thing that you get uh, it, there are now becoming vigilantes who are dressing up in full body armor that looks a bit superhero ish and sort of patrolling the streets of New York. Huh. Like that, that was in the news six months ago. It might not be two people knowing how things get hyperbolic in the news, but. Um, does actually sound quite interesting. Yeah, what well, happens in this case, the the, the reason the, there was the, the guy was arrested because he was just pepper spraying random random passersby, basically who weren't actually involved in the brawl at all. <laughs> but he, he wasn't charged in the end. He was released, but you know, cautioned to stop wearing superhero costumes and assaulting people, which seems like you know wise words to live by. <laughs> Unless it's it's Halloween, I and mean, you're welcome to wear superhero costumes, but only in America. So yeah, this country still not welcome properly. to assault people, though, even if it's no. Halloween. Well, like, trick or treat. Like, if, uh, <laughs> though I'm told that most people don't have a trick if you ask for a trick. Well, that's probably true because most of the ones who come to my house are three and have their parents standing behind them because they think I'm the dangerous person. Mm. I mean, I'm not. Okay. I, I, haven't, I, I, I got a CRB check for a game this week. I'm absolutely clear still. Excellent. Um, Tell me about Metropolis. Metropolis. I've never seen it because the, the words silent movie kind of scare me off. Also, silent movie with large amounts of footage missing scare people off even more. Oh, really? Yeah, it, so it's been reconstructed and they sent it out on DVD a little while ago. Um, so I just got an email then. Okay, we said a hello, good day from Mexico. Um, Yulia. Yuli? Yuli, I think it is. Sorry, I can't pronounce it. It sort of merged the word, your name and the word good together. Cool. Hello. Awesome to have you here. Um, so Metropolis was rebuilt. It was a German movie, I think, originally. it was. Um, I think it was a favourite of Hitler or something random like that. So directed by Fritz Lang, wasn't it? That sounds about right. Should we get the Wikipedia page up without anyone noticing? 
Anyway, no, the movie is about a society where you've got two... I think it's more about this, but you've got two-level society, the sort of complacent, well-off um, Tories on the surface and the um, Labour supporters on the ground. So the, the Guardian is alive and well in this dystopia? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, no, and then there's... It's just, it is basically a protest story about the division of society, I think, more than it is. But there is this whole thing that the society's run by this robot. Okay. I mean, the, uh, the, the imagery I'm familiar with has something which looks a lot like a Cyberman in it. Yes, it does look like a Cyberman, and it is this sort of two... Um, this woman gets turned into this robot to run the society. I don't know if she's turned into it or whether they just use a person actor to play it. That's where it gets a bit confusing. Right. I mean... I've always like, found, thought that the whole the, the silent genre doesn't really lend itself well to storytelling. Um, much as I like mime as a thing, um, I mean, I, I don't know. But then, I'm, then maybe I should watch more of it because I've I, I, I take one look and just think, no, this isn't going to work for me. Yeah, so I, I have cheated because it is a while since I watched the movie. So what, let's just see what it says about the plot. So yeah, it's it's. It's set in a futuristic mega city, but in but with 1920s era cars and airplanes, and divided into two fit classes. So it's exactly what I said, apart from they call them managers, not tourists. So I was basically like, no, that's good to know. Um, but yeah, eventually there's this rebellion, and it all goes horribly wrong. Um, so 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 once again, they're projecting the t- the, t- the technology of the time when um, they they made the movie, and like not not trying to think beyond that, just thinking, okay, well, it's, it's like this, but it's, it's, it's a vision of what people in the 1920s thought that life would be bi- be like in the 1960s, basically. Right. Yeah, um, it's. It's about three and a half hours long, and it's incredibly slow-paced. So the idea that there could be missing scenes, uh, which would draw it out even longer, just fills me with dread. Really, three and a half hours without the. Uh. Oh, that may be the uh, the more recent director's cut that they've uh, they've issued in the last couple of years. I might, I might just mo- watch it at for, for quadruple speed, and everyone can just run around. For I, I really suggest watching it. And um, the problem I'm having is what. Like, I'm not used to watching silent movies, so when I watched it, I really struggled to understand it. But I don't see that necessarily meaning you shouldn't watch it. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. There are are several movies you sort of almost have to force your way through. Um, I would say that 2001 is probably something you should watch, but I wouldn't go and watch it ever again, except as something in the background as an instrumental piece. Yeah. I, th- I think that for most people, uh, if you want to watch a dystopian vision of the future in silent movie form, then the first half an hour of Wally is probably a more <laughs> entertaining way of spending your time. I love Wally; it's brilliant. So I haven't seen it. What's, well, you can borrow my DVD later. Um, the other thing about Metropolis is it does lead to an anime spin-off, which is a lot easier to follow, which is about a little uh, boy falling in love with the machine that runs the city and try- basically everything going horribly wrong in his attempts to try and fall in love with her and eventually this society falls apart and crashes down and he ends up finding her again I think hmm maybe he finds pieces of her I can't quite remember that bit so no spoilers there okay well this is actually like the, the whole you know city run by run by a robot thing uh, suddenly reminded me of a uh, video game called Beneath a Steel Sky which is available for free on the internet and everyone Ooh, should play it Beneath Steel Sky is brilliant it's, it's great yeah it's set in it's set in a dystopian vision of Australia although for some reason all the actors have English accents but also really weird is the fact that it's a society with these sort of layers of society and it goes from sort of the poor at the top all the way down to the rich at the bottom which is sort of the reverse of quite a lot of other similar things so the industries at the top of the towers uh, uh, pres- presumably to avoid the fallout or something I, I, d- I don't know but it's just really uh, it's just such a switch from what I'm used to 
Well, it, yeah, anyway, that, that, that's, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're all, that it isn't, you've already experienced that. It's a great game. It's I'm, great. I got it on my iPhone. Uh, I had to pay for it, but I didn't mind. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I just accidentally found the Wikipedia page of a list of dystopian films. It's very long, and there are a lot of films on it which I didn't recommend. I quite like the fact that Hot Fuzz is in there. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> oh, sorry. Shouldn't laugh out loud down the microphone, apparently. Um, it's brilliant. Um, I mean, like, uh, uh, to be honest, a, a future dominated by Simon Pegg is pretty much my idea of some kind of uh, disaster having occurred. But Gattaca's in there, which actually I've forgotten all about. Gattaca's a great film. Gattaca's uh, a brilliant film. For people who don't know, it's uh, where your career choices are defined by your genes, pretty much. So that's why the title's only got the letters G, A, T, C, and that's it in it, because they're the four bases of DNA. And it's one of these films where it's... It's very careful not to give any idea of what time period it's set in. I mean, yep. it's. Uh, I watched it about a couple of months ago for the first time, and there was no way you could tell when it was supposed to be set or or when it was made either. And you know, yeah, it's yeah, really good in that way that there's no flying cars or you know shiny PVC suits or anything like that. I just give it the. I don't even think feel. the cars are in focus, are they? No, not at all. So, so when there are cars, they're just things moving down the road, which right. is. Yeah, so the only thing it tells you about the future is there are roads and there are people who work in offices. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it even explicitly says um, in the not-too-distant future towards yeah. the start of the film, which is a, which is a really nice device. Um, in the same interview with William Gibson I mentioned earlier, which is on Boing Boing, and I recommend people read it if they like his work, um, but uh, he said that he doesn't think um, sci-fi authors should try to predict the future. Um, he, he he thinks that's you know not so. I mean his 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 dystopias are always you know really fantastical and crazy, and he doesn't make he hasn't he doesn't have any illusion that it's you know an accurate prediction of the future. Hmm. Um, so it seems like you can go one way or the other, either you know uh, Gattaca style keep 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 it subdued and don't, and don't even try, or just let your imagin- imagination run wild. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the best sci-fi is completely reflective of what is happening at the time. Mm-hmm. There's a, a whole genre of. Um, sci-fi which basically reflects fears about the cold war yeah uh um the one i really like and i'm sure i mentioned was the forever war which is a sci-fi based on the vietnam war and um, that's by joe handelman and that's a really good book really short actually so it won't cost you too much of your life to read it uh that has dated in some respects in just the way it's presented but the story hasn't okay so um do uh, someone just emailed in uh checks vigilante um who is a Superman want- wannabe? I, 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 he puts super in front of his name, but I can't pronounce his. I can't pronounce Czech names because they have accents I don't recognise. But um, he apparently goes around with because of the hypocrisy in society. So um, he smears things like dog poop back onto the dogs I mean, and their owners. Interesting. And then runs away. So that's kind of different from um, people wearing Superman outfits. Yeah, I mean, it's still not that pleasant. I mean, but. Yeah, I wasn't advising people to do this. This is just disgusting. <laughs> don't, 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 don't try this at home, kids. But this brings a brilliant segue to... You know where I'm going with this? Uh, no. Okay. An oh, author- I do know where you're going. Um, an, an author dear to all of our hearts, Ian Banks. So um, we'll leave it up to the reader to figure out why that was a segue. Um, but he has a, a, his own future, of, which is the subject of most of his sci-fi novels, called The Culture. Um, which is... It's, well, we say future and we say utopia, but it's not really the future. Uh, in fact, uh, in one of the short stories, they visit Earth in the 1970s. Um, which is a, which is a, re- a really good um, novel, well, novella. It talks about how this kind of... This post-scarcity world... Where where basically super intelligent minds uh, run everything and the humans just have everything everything they could ever want for free forever and you know 
ownership has been abolished and everyone just frolics frolics freely around. And so it sounds a lot, you know, as this book points out, a lot more like the uh, the, the red half of the Cold War in the 1970s. Um, but um, I think it's interesting that the novels which are set in this u- utopia are almost entirely f- focusing on the people who aren't happy with um, the world being so boring and well you know it's extravagant but it's but it's not you know it's it's not it's not unsafe it's just it they they can have everything they can ever desire so in fact it focuses on the people who go out and contact uh, civilizations who aren't part of this you know glorious uh, utopia. Well, but there's also two types of well, not two. There's many types, but simplest is kind of two types. Those who make contact with the culture and may ha- those haven't. And even if you make contact with the culture, it doesn't mean they're going to hand everything over to you and give you a wonderful life. So whilst in the culture, you pretty much won't die from various ways of looking after the people. Uh, if you're in another society interfacing with it, they won't hand that technology necessarily over to you. Right, but you're on, and it's like they make, they make the point at various points that you know these civilizations aren't ready for their incredibly advanced you know teleportation. Uh, in fact, in, in the state of the art, they had one, one of the characters is a Star Trek fan and talks about how, you know, um, uh, matter displa- displacement, which is the teleportation technology that the culture has, you know, there's a kind of tongue in cheek, you know, by the author passage about how it's not quite the same, you know, it's not quite the same as what's, what's shown in Star Trek. Like, well, actually, it's just a different name for the same thing. Yeah, um, and the other thing is, if you ever get into Ian Banks stuff, he does, ha- he must have about 20 or 30 different fast and light drives within the culture stories. Yeah, well, he's, he, he just plays you know, fast and loose with what, kind of what he needs to push, push the plot along, as, as with all, all, all the best fiction. Um, but I think it's it's mostly internally consistent, which is nice. Yeah, uh, I think he great, does great pitches, a bit obsessive with certain things, which we may have alluded to earlier. Um, but I mean, I, the one I'm reading at the moment is Surface Detail, and that's about the girl who for some unknown reason, uh, Mind, which is running a ship, which has gone off for a sabbatical, really, uh, backs her up so that when she's murdered by her owner on this strange planet, that she can um, then come back and avenge him, and it follows that. So it's quite interesting to see that even though we've got this non-interference and all this goody-two-shoe stuff, a lot of bad stuff goes on behind the background. And that's basically what most of the books are about, this division called Special Circumstances, who... um, are probably the only thing that actually has any sense of I'm trying to think of elitism because you not everyone can get into it and then they go and interfere with everything all the time. Yeah, which is kind of which kind of harkens back to you know, thinking about you know are you know are dystopias necessarily bad? Well, you know, are utopias necessarily good if it actually involves people meddling with less less advanced peoples and um, yeah, you're going out on re- revenge hunts and things. I mean, Star Trek goes with the Prime Directive. Then basically don't interfere with lesser societies, right? And and in in, in some of the cultural novels, they, they talk about the ethics of whether or not interference is a good idea. Like that some of them suggest that maybe they should leave some cultures untouched, some some civilizations untouched to see how they would progress. Maybe they'll sort themselves out. You know, they don't need the culture to come in with their magical displacement technology and you know, stop them having huge wars and stuff. And of course, the other thing about the culture is that they are they aren't the only. Uh, super powerful civilization. There's a few on there in the books. Yeah, um, like, but it's it's it, it. He sort of. It's interesting that the culture sort of tries to be. You know, uh, st- it doesn't try to get into battles, but when it does, it always just crushes its enemy. Because and I, I, I guess it's it's kind of a reluctant war, uh, war machine. Kind of lumbers into action. So um, we're coming up to the end of the show now. So we're going to have to finish there. But it's been great to have you here. Okay, listen next week.